Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... Stephanie, and my last name is Benyate. <laughs> In case you are wondering how to pronounce that. Yes, or I uh, I have this thing where I shouldn't do this, but I, like, whitewash it. I'm like, Benyate's fine, but, like, it's actually Benyate. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, you hear me pronouncing my name Santiago Ramones whenever I should Ramones. be Santiago Ramones. <laughs> But, like, it's weird to just flip into an accent yeah. in the middle of a sentence. Right, yeah. So, I'm glad you get that struggle. Yeah, yeah. I think about that, like, every time I say my name, I'm like, do I want to do it? Well, I think I'm weird. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. yeah so it's like, well, my middle, uh, I, I'm really weird about my middle name. I'll not tell anyone, but this is going on air and the <laughs> internet fine. for Go the for public it. to hear. But my middle name is so brown. It's Guadalupe. Yeah, so I'm yeah. not going to be like, my name is Stephanie Guadalupe Peñate. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, just call me Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, my full name is Santiago Andres Ramones oh Machado. <laughs> which is We've got the brown. really freaking yeah. brown. Yeah, uh, it's so brown. I love that. Who, who named you? Like, uh, you chose your names. My dad? <laughs> right on. Right on Santiago's dad. That's so um, funny. Well, I think... Also, I don't know who chose my middle name. But gotcha, yeah. I know well, I also have, dad. like, Herrera in my name. And, like, yeah. saying that in English hurts, but then, like, saying it in Spanish. I'm yeah, also yeah. like, uh, like, Herrera, you know? Yeah. It's like Herrera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, fellow brown people together yes. one podcast. I love <laughs> It's going to be great. We're going to code switch. You speak Spanish, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Because <laughs> I don't like to assume that all yeah. Latinos speak Spanish. <laughs> what do you do? I am a music student at um, production, that is, at the Academy of Contemporary Music, which is where we met. Mm-hmm. I play synth and keyboard in a band called Dire Gnome. Mm-hmm. We are on Spotify. And I work <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and you also started oh, yeah. your own podcast. Right. Uh, you got, you <laughs> caught me that time yet, too. <laughs> yeah, I started my own podcast. It's called Color Me In, mm-hmm. which is after a broadcast song. Um, I don't know if you listen to broadcasts. You should. Everyone should. Sure. They're great. Do you know Stereo Lab? Mm-mm. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. They're like French disco. Well, cool. I don't even know if they're disco. They're like French electronic music. They're mm. really good. So broadcast is like the equivalent, but I think they're British or English. Cool. A, a fast <laughs> and, yeah, it's just a good song. I mean, I felt it reflected what I wanted to do with the podcast. Yeah. What and, is the podcast? Right, which we're going to have Santiago on next. I'm excited. <laughs> um, it'll be – so basically I just bring in – I misspoke on my first episode, which is so classic Stephanie because I got <laughs> so nervous. And I said I'll bring in artists. I'm just bringing in people I think are awesome. Yeah. And they're going to talk about 10 pieces of um, art that have impacted them in yeah. whatever way that means. And I give 10 as like – a reference number. Yeah. If you are heavily involved in the arts, like, I mean, we're music students. Yeah. So it's, 10 doesn't seem like enough. Campbell broke the rule on the first episode. So, yeah. Um, if you want, like, 20, that's fine. 30 might be pushing it um, just because of, we have, like, three-hour slots. Yeah, yeah. And But if I gave that number because if you aren't a musician or, like, that involved in arts, but still, like, I know that you are, mm-hmm. I think 10 might be a lot. So it's yeah. just a reference number. Yeah. Yeah, like I saw the idea, like, because this podcast is such a comfort thing for me. Like, Mm. hearing people I think are awesome talk deeper and getting to know them better is great. And then I felt like, oh, I could do the same, but in a different capacity. Yeah. And I really like that. Yeah, thanks, Santiago. (laughs) Um, That means a lot coming from you, (laughs) my um, fellow brown friend. (laughs) 
How did take you... a shot every time I say brown or brown <laughs> friend in this. Gosh. How did you get started in music? I So my brother picked up, like, any kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he found rock and roll, specifically, mm-hmm. like, the Ramones and stuff like that. Um, and he wanted to play guitar because of that, because, mm-hmm. you know, guitar. And then my brother, my little brother, well, he's taller than me now. My younger brother <laughs> is, you know, like, any younger brother is like, I want to be as cool as my older brother. Yeah. So he picked up drums. And then I was like, there's nothing else to play because, like, what is bass guitar? Yeah. And I chose piano. Mm-hmm. And I started lessons from age eight. And so, like, on and off until I was, until now. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, What did you do in those first lessons? I never got to take, like, piano lessons as a kid. Right. So, like, what is okay. teaching yeah. an eight-year-old piano? I don't remember is the thing. So <laughs> I I remember crying because I got frustrated that my teacher was like, you can't have long nails. And, like, <laughs> I was the only – I so oof, oof. I don't really identify as female anymore. Mm. But, um, like, I socialized and thought of as female growing up. So – I, that's a new thing. Hi. <laughs> First time talking about it. Weird. But, um, so, like, my mom is like, always, like, the typical, like, you only girl, you want to spoil her with, like, dresses and sure. stuff like that. So, like, I, she would, like, paint my nails and stuff. So, that was, like, a big deal for me to not do that. But then I'm, like, you should see my nails now. <laughs> I'm, like, I don't care. So, I was, like, I remember being frustrated on that. Like, it was, like, two months of just, like, cut your nails, cut your nails, cut mm-hmm. your nails. And, um... A lot of it, I still have the books, too, um, mm-hmm. like the first books I learned out of. A lot of it is just, like, learning Twinkle Twinkle. And <laughs> so my teacher teaches Suzuki, and I would kind of, like, substitute taught. It wasn't really, like, substitute taught, but, like, I would, like, jump in sometimes yeah, yeah. and, like, um, like watch the kiddos or, like, help the kiddos out. Mm-hmm. And she would get lessons. And a lot of it really – I didn't do Suzuki – but, um, like, there's, like, overlap of yeah, yeah. not doing Suzuki and doing Suzuki. And it's just, like, you do a lot of, like, I remember the first exercise is, like, you use your knuckles and you just roll them on the black keys. Huh. I don't know why that's the only thing I remember. But it's a lot of that. And then, like, playing back specifically with Suzuki but also just, like, mm-hmm. most method books. Yeah, and then, like, Twinkle, Twinkle. And then... Or teaching staff and then the concept yeah, yeah. of notes and then the concept <laughs> of rhythm, um, which is, like, so weird to talk yeah, about yeah. now because I was like, oh, yeah, it's second nature. Like, exactly. I still suck at it, but it's, like, second nature. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's really all I remember. I just remember, like, that. I remember playing William Tell, and that was, like, a huge milestone for me for some reason because <laughs> it was, like, a new upper level in a book or something. Um and then eventually you start playing, like, pieces that are, like, way too long. Mm. I don't—that doesn't answer your question yeah, or give yeah. you insight. But if you want your child to learn, um, I really only knew Suzuki because I worked at the studio as mm. I got older that I learned from. It's, like, a lot of just, like, teaching the methods of, like, rhythm, like I said, yeah, and everything. Yeah. And then just copying what the teacher is doing. So it's a, lot, a pro of Suzuki is you develop a good ear. Mm-hmm. Um, but the con is most kids, unless told or heavily, like, practiced with, will not use sheet music for that reason. Mm-hmm. And will just rely on ear. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But, yeah. it's Kids are—I was a really good kid and patient kid growing up. Mm-hmm. And I could sit for hours and, like, do things. Yeah. Um, I've definitely taught students not like that. <laughs> so <laughs> it is hard in that aspect is that— getting an eight-year-old's mm-hmm. um, brain of 
for 30 minutes even is hard yeah. to, like, focus <laughs> and, like, do what you want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I was – I think my – I'm just wired that way to be able to do stuff like that yeah. and just, like, sit. And I was – I really wanted to do piano. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Up, so I was, like, I was like, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do it, and it's going to be good. It was not good. Still not good. But, <laughs> you know, you do it. Um, And then, yes, unfortunately, having to rehash – the it's conversation okay. that already happened. No worries. Inside notes on this very podcast, we recorded for like 30 minutes, and then I realized it wasn't recording. It's okay, So we're though. doing this again. I love talking to Sonia. Yeah. So I, I actually put, yeah, I was going to make a joke about it. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say I pushed pause so just we can talk <laughs> and then elongate the session. Um, I'm joking, of course. So classical versus contemporary. Yeah. You moved from... Uh, classical world into mm-hmm. contemporary world. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Oh man, um, culturally, um, I definitely prefer contemporary. There's also more gigs. Yeah. Um, I th- so I transitioned from like classical, like I was playing Bach, I was playing Debussy, all that stuff, and then I was unhappy with it just because I grew up listening to like I mean like most people grew up listening to some form of pop music, mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't know how to get there until I moved mm-hmm. to, AC, I came to ACM. Um, but it was just like, that was, it just wasn't fulfilling for me to like sit down and play music from like white dudes, mm-hmm. you know? So I switched to contemporary and then jazz. If you've got a jazz background on piano, you can play mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. So I was like, I'll do jazz. And then I was like, oh, that's going to take years. And it's still <laughs> taking me forever and it's hard and there's so much technicality and like, mm-hmm. um, practice too I would argue that practice is even harder for contemporary because especially jazz because as a jazz pianist you're expected to play and just like play something that sounds good yeah you have to memorize um like techniques and like riffs and chord changes chord changes that sound good um cadences all that stuff whereas like piano you would you could play a piece for six months and then like yeah, you just that's what you would know for six months, it. and then you would keep like keep up with it, just mm-hmm. to keep it in the back of your head, and then you learn more pieces. But yeah, yeah. Um, not a question that I asked last time, but Ooh, um, changing it up. <laughs> what is a um, musical hurdle that you've gotten past, Ooh. and one that you're still working on now? I don't know that I've gotten past any of my hurdles <laughs> yet. Um, but I, ooh, okay. We will probably sit on this one for a while. <laughs> I, because um, we spoke before this, that <laughs> how, like, I didn't know that doing music as a career was an option just because mm-hmm. of the economic status I had and the cultural mm-hmm. um, assumption that music is only a hobby. Mm-hmm. That I grew up with. And did you, did you grow up with that as a brown kid? Uh, Yes, it. but it, it, like, it kind of became more solid as uh-huh. I got older. but Like that you could do it? As yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's interesting because um, my parents, like, worked 60-hour weeks for most of my life. So, mm-hmm. like, it was you get an 8 to 5 and then you work overtime and then you go home to your kids, you know? Yeah. So that way I was like, oh, that's what life is. Um, music mm-hmm. is just to like fill the air in while you're at home yeah. raising the kids or whatever. Um, so with that, I harbored a lot of guilt when I decided to do music mm-hmm. and even more guilt when I said, I don't want to teach music, I want to play music, which yeah. is like, we all know that there's like 
$3 in that. <laughs> um, so, like, that was, I think, just that guilt of, like, I'm doing this and I can do this. Mm-hmm. But, like, just having that voice of, like, you're doing something that your parents are, like, really hesitant. I'm hesitant. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It feels very, <laughs> like, white kid mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and then, so that was something. I feel like I still fight that a lot. But it's gotten so much easier to be like, no, that's not true. I mean, I've been, I played gigs and mm-hmm. I've been paid. And I can teach kids. <laughs> I can teach kids. And um, there's, like, more to music than just playing that I also yeah. enjoy. Um, but that and then, like, motivation slash anxiety, which is, like, something – if you've dealt with this, I would love to hear it mm. if you have two. Because um, one of my favorite artists, Michael Cronin, who's, like, an L.A.-based musician who has played with Ty Siegel and, like, like that mm-hmm. psych scene, um, has, like, a whole album about it, how, like, he got so anxious to fail or, like, that people would be like, see, I told you you couldn't do it or, like, um, there's a – concept in psychology that I can't remember the name of but it's like there's so many options that you get overwhelmed Mm -hmm. so for me all of that accumulated and then I would just like not do it because I Mm -hmm. got so scared to do it and which is like not the correct response don't do that please see a therapist (laughs) on ways to like that work for you to fix that Mm -hmm. so I feel like I still work I still get that a lot like I will get so overwhelmed about something like that's um I'm taking um Patrick's film scoring class, mm. um, which is, like, I've never done film scoring. Yeah. It sounds terrifying. I've done a little bit with him in, like, mm. lessons and stuff. But, like, to actually, like, write a full score and, like, have mm. people critique it, that sounds terrifying. So, like, <laughs> um, entering college, I would have just, like, not done it and then cried and do it last minute and then <laughs> But, like, as I've gotten older, you realize that you just got to do it. I'm like, yeah. yeah, it'll suck. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um no one's born being able to, like, 100% do it mm-hmm. that first time. But a lot of it's just, like, getting that me- muscle memory in and yeah, like just yeah. doing it. And then you learn things along the way, and you'll write really awful things, but, like, you can just delete those <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just keep them and never show them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, that's still something I work with. And I it's like a I've, I've been in and out of therapy for years, and it's, like, something I've always had to, like, maintain, and it's, like, I've had, like, many therapists be like, you should communicate to your professors about that. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, let's just not. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it's – anxiety is a bitch. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, And then how how did you decide that music is going to be my life? Right on. Um, Yeah. I think I don't remember if I said this in this recording, but <laughs> I yeah, we'll just repeat. It's fine. Um, I grew up not having many friends and not being able to relate to like I grew up in Norman, so it's like a white suburbia university mm-hmm. town. Um, Norman's really interesting in that you have like very poor and you also have like very affluent and like yeah. people are like super high up in university getting, like, a lot of money. So mm-hmm. I I had a mixture of that. I'm very grateful for that upbringing. But um, it was more of, a, like, just, like, affluence, and I grew up very poor um, and very brown. So <laughs> I didn't feel very – I didn't feel understood growing up, especially with school and you're at school all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always music in the house going on, and, like, my parents have, like, this – notion that like music is an escape and like you know that's Mm -hmm. perfectly healthy and like you can dance to music you can sing to music do whatever you want um and so like that was my comfort for a really long time 
And I eventually grew that into books and then movies and then comics and whatever. And those became my friends. Those Mm -hmm. artists became my friends. And to me, it made sense to do music just because it was the only thing that made sense and made me happy. And um, there was hope, apart from being, like, good at it and, like, creating my own stuff, that I would also find a community of like-minded people. And Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate that I found a couple of people (laughs) like that. But it's – I feel like that's one thing that is – You'll always have to battle yeah, being a yeah. musician is like weeding out people who are doing it for the quote unquote wrong reasons or mm-hmm. even people you just can't relate to or like their music isn't something you can relate to. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then what is your goal as a musician yes. for your career? Right or on. Um, I feel like most of us have this, like, dream of, like, being a touring band. and like, mm-hmm. I would love to do that. I'm, um, like, on an indie scale, not, like, a huge, giant. Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stadiums, no. Nah, uh, I mean, like, if a option presents itself, I'm going to, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, yeah, of course. Pay my bills, <laughs> please. But, like, ideally, it'd be, like, a small, like, indie band just touring with them. Mm. Dire Gnome would be great because it's just, like, everyone in it is great person and and people I can get behind and feel safe around. Yeah. But, yeah, like, that would be great. I mean, I also grew up with punk, so, the, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. touring Black Flag level before they got, like, super big and mm-hmm. stuff like that would be cool. Um, but I mostly – so I sw- just switched from performance to production this semester mm-hmm. um, because I bought a synth. <laughs> Thanks <Yay>. to that synth. <laughs> and I discovered the world of synthesis in that, which, um, for those of you who don't know, is building synths, programming the sound, or so, like, sound design, and then, like, actually like hands-on like building the equipment yeah. fixing it and routing it i really like that um and then analog cir- circuitry is really related to that which is like yeah just like pedals and amps i think amps too mm-hmm. um lots of diagrams and numbers and details and i love Whoa. that stuff i know <laughs> i love that stuff so like that all of that would be really cool because i I'm the type of person that, like, when I work on something, I'm 100%, like, on there. Like, you yeah, can't, yeah. like, if you're, like, Stephanie, Stephanie, I'm, like, zoning you out because I'm just, just <laughs> so focused. But, like, analog circuitry and all that stuff would give me permission to kind of just, like, zone out while I'm doing something mm-hmm. that's familiar and comfortable. And also creative and technical, which is, like, together that has always been a great merging point for me. And I feel yeah. like I strive the best there because I don't feel I don't feel creative and I don't feel technical. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm in the middle, which mm-hmm. like most people do. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, you can't see it, but I talk with my hands a lot. So fine. Santiago's probably <laughs> just like, she talks with her hands a lot. No, I mean, it's saving me a lot of uh, hard drive space to not do video. So that's fine. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, Shots fired. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm not it's a video good. person either. So oh, no. I would, um, if you had asked me, would you want to be in my video? I'd have been like, I can't. <laughs> not video. Getting comfortable just hearing my voice back has been a process. <laughs> you get used to it. Well, you're a singer. Yeah, you're a singer. I was talking to Safran. She's like, you just get used to it. And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what is Dire Gnome? Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Great question. Dire Gnome is we are a four-piece psych rock. I don't feel comfortable using the psych rock thing because we don't sound like Helen Kelter Skelter, which I would like mm. define as like the epitome of like what psych rock is right now. Um, but it's more we're psych rock, more garage rock, I would argue. Um, I It's very – before I came in, they were just a three-piece and they were very like – 
it reminded me a lot of like 90s kind of grunge in mm-hmm. a way, um, almost like Melvin Z. And then I came in and brought in like all the, like the atmospheric stuff. So it turned more like into dream pop stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're just like a four piece that plays around in the metro area. Mm-hmm. Nathan is our singer and guitar player. And he, you've probably seen Nathan at a show. <laughs> he has mm-hmm. one of those faces that you just see everywhere. Um, but he plays guitar and sings, and he brings in, like, the riffy, death metal-y kind of mm-hmm. aspects of it. Um, and then Krish is his wife, who picked up bass in January of last year just for that band. Um, and then Miles and Nathan played in, um, like, a metal band called Cobra Jab, which they're actually really good. You should listen to them. <laughs> Um, They're very, like, stoner metal, I would say. Mm. Um, But they played in that band together, and then I found them through Facebook, and and they were needing a synth player, and I was like, I have a synth. I can't use it, but Mm -hmm. I have a synth. So I joined them, and then that's what we're doing right now. We're super inspired by, like, the psych rock, garage Mm -hmm. rock scene going on in the West, so California. Um, that's all like Ty Siegel, OCs, um, Wand. Wand's my favorite band. Mm. So just stuff like that. Me yeah. Bodies. Yeah. What makes music important? Right on. <laughs> what a question. Um, I don't remember what I said the first time. <laughs> but I think giving anything to um, people that make them feel like they have power, especially with mm-hmm. – our political climate now, um, and especially, like, if you're a quote-unquote minority, mm-hmm. um, I think giving them any kind of thing that gives them power or purpose or creating anything is powerful, and it music does all of that. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, kicking a soccer ball was not fun for me growing up because I'm <laughs> clumsy and I would just, like, fall and trip over the soccer ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't – yeah, I guess that's it is – also a huge community boost in music and finding people yeah, yeah. who understand and can sit down with you and relate on a deeper level, I think mm-hmm. is powerful. Yeah. Um, and also I love noise. <laughs> yeah. I grew up with punk rock and like the Velvet Underground and mm-hmm. like experimental noise. So yeah. I, I love that stuff. Yeah. Thank you for making that segue much better for me because right my next question is uh, does genre – still exist is it a necessary thing anymore now that we're just using too many words to describe genres yeah so like i took cultural studies with nick who i took before i took it i had a hostie like the first section of that Mm -hmm. the part one of that whole thing um that was like very technical whereas nick's was more like philosophical yeah nick Poss. oh nick Poss. Poss. yes okay yeah cool dude we'll have him Mm -hmm. um and, like, I would get in trouble. Well, it wasn't in trouble, but he'd be like, oh, like, super specific genre, right on. And yeah. I, because, I mean, I, like I said, I grew up having friends, so I, like, delved deep yeah, in the yeah. deep end. And so I'd be like, oh, no, that's experimental noise work from 1980s in the German Krautrock era of sure. blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but I don't know. I don't think they're necessary. I mean, they're, so, like, with any label, I have a, as I am, I identify as queer, so mm-hmm. that's, like, the broadest you can get with the definition yeah, yeah. of queer. Um, there's a reason I like it because it's so broad that it says I'm not 
conventional. Yeah, I'm not conventional. This. I'm not like I'm not trying to be edgy or anything. Like no one, whatever, mm. you know. I'm not this conventional idea of what you were told. Um, mm. There's more to me that I may not even know yet. But here's the notion that sure. it is, and that's powerful to me. Genres are the same way for me. It's like mm-hmm. they're supposed to be like kind of like a guide, not yeah, yeah. They can be specific if you want to do that, but I don't think it's necessary at this point, just because there's so much music, mm-hmm. there's so much overlap, and like what what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Um, in a way, they can keep you from finding good music. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm not a huge country person, but um, having the label of country would automatically just turn me off. Yeah, yeah. But like. The more you think about it, you're like, well, there's experimental country music or, like, country yeah. pop or, like, country whatever. Right. And you're kind of blocking yourself off. From right. Like, there's some really good songs oh, yeah. in country like, or yeah. that are classified as country yeah. that you might even be like, this is more bluesy. but right. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> there's a couple of artists that come to mind. It's like, do you know Peaches? I don't. Or Peaches. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So, Peaches is a, a queer pop artist. Mm. They're pop. But, the, like, if we were to get technical, I would say they're, like— they're pop if Trent Reznor went pop, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's really because they use a lot of like the glitchy stuff that he does and mm. a lot of the drum machine stuff. And that's awesome. If you had just told me a queer pop, I'd have been like, queer, I can get behind that. Pop, <laughs> I've heard enough pop, you know. <laughs> um, but then like if you were telling me the specific, oh, blah, 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 then I'm like, okay. So yeah, it's kind of like a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. And then my favorite band, Wand. Started off as stoner metal, like mm. doing just like noise stuff with it, and they have moved from like that to like a more velvet underground, this heat, quote unquote, art rock experimental mm. stuff. And everyone's been kind of like pissed about it because <laughs> they're like, this is not psych rock anymore. And it's like, mm-hmm. why confine yourself to a label of it? Yeah, There's yeah. so much good stuff out mm-hmm. there, and even if you don't think you will like it, spend some time with yeah, it. Yeah. You know. Um, Even if it's just skimming. <laughs> we've listed off a lot of, like, band names and stuff. But yeah. what's something on the classical side right. that you still really love? Like, what's oh, a piano man, piece yeah. that you, like, always go back to and be like, ah, this is still. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm okay, – my hair is purple. So I feel like this is a pretty obvious, like, hint of, like, my favorite era. Um, the Impressionistic era yeah. and all that stuff. Like, Debussy, um, Chopin, uh, Chopin. My heart. Yeah. <laughs> he was an angsty guy and like me too, you know. <laughs> me too. There's I played it his nocturne on F minor poorly, but I really love that piece and mm-hmm. like really all his nocturnes are really great. So like mm-hmm. I just anything that has like open chords and like bell sounds and Ravel has a song called I'm not going to say it in French because I don't speak French, but it's called The Valley of the Clocks. And it's mm. like it starts with like a little ding in the higher octaves and it just goes ding, ding, ding with an octave. And, yeah, it, yeah. and it goes into like this arpeggiated ding and it's just so beautiful. Mm. And there's like big chords in it. But I also really love – I really love Russian composers. Mm. Um, is Tchaikovsky Russian? Tchaikovsky. Yeah. Okay. Russian. <laughs> I so. I just want to make sure. And like him, Shostakovich, Rachmaninoff. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff. Um, yeah. Stravinsky too. His uh, Firebirds yeah. Suite is. I said Fireball one time, and I was like, <laughs> "That's the wrong thing." Um, the Firebirds Suite was like super influential for mm-hmm. me. Um, but yeah, like I think I just really like extremities, and like so it's like either really beautiful and like super fiery, or like super abrasive and angry and yeah, yeah. tear down this communist wall. Yeah. You know, so I love that stuff. Stravinsky. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> same person. We're the uh, same person. <laughs> but yeah. 
Um, Rack one and off two. I played. Uh, I think it's she's C sharp minor. It's like the most popular mm. one, where he starts out with like big bombastic chords. Mm. I have small hands. He had a muscle disease that like caused him to have big hands. Yeah. So he, I had a hard time playing his music, but he was just yeah. like, because of that little thing about him. His music mm. turned out to be this gorgeous thing and also yeah. very angsty, which same. <laughs> right. I try and limit piano stuff that I write to an octave. Yeah. Because I know people can reach more than an octave. Yeah. But I don't uh, want not me. to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do you, uh, I don't know if you're con- familiar with this concept. I, I don't know how far of a piano player you are. Uh. Like in, <laughs> so like with Rachmaninoff, you would hit the roots of the chords. So like sometimes you do like a fifth in the bottom and then add more because he could. So you play <laughs> the fifth and then you just roll it to the next one. Ah. Um, and then there is debate on how long you should like hit that bell chord. I don't think that's what it would be called, but like the bottom chord and then the rest, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I mean, I, right. Some but, people like roll it and some people just like bum, bum or whatever. Yeah, but... Unlike Rachmaninoff, <laughs> I, I try not to give he people like impossible six things. Foot plus, yeah, he's very tall. Uh, <laughs> um, switching gears. Uh, I sound like I know what I'm talking yeah, about. I don't. There's, <laughs> there's no good way to transition into it. So that's okay. Here we are. What is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Oh, now we're getting to this part. <laughs> um, so I've been. I've had an interesting relationship with all of that stuff because I grew up. Uh, let me know if this was you too. I grew up very Catholic, well, mm-hmm. in a very Catholic family. Yeah. My mom, my well, my grandma on my mom's side was like heavily Catholic, like, and she still is. She goes to church every day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like rosaries and Jesus on the cruz everywhere, yeah. you know. Um, and then like, like her name is Guadalupe, mm-hmm. and my middle name is Guadalupe, which I was named after her, which is like so brown and so Catholic. Yeah. So I always <laughs> have like. The Catholic, there's always been, like, some Catholicism. Yeah, yeah. But my mom, um, I she grew up so strictly Catholic that I kind of, like, traumatized her. And mm. she was like, I'm not, I don't want to raise my kids that way. Um, like, so much so to the point where, like, she got kicked out for becoming pregnant with my older brother before mm. she was married. Like, yeah. that's how strictly Catholic they were. Um, and she was like, I'm not doing that to you guys. So we were loosely Catholic growing mm. up. Um, but I just, there is so much, specifically with Catholicism, because I, as I've gotten older, I, like, you know, the I understand the divisions of, yeah, like, yeah. Christianity and Catholicism and all that stuff. Um, I was always kind of jealous of the Christian kids because they would get candy at their, like, Catholic Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And then we would just, like, sit there and, like, they would tell us, oh, if you do this, you will burn in hell. So that was really mm-hmm. traumatizing growing up. Yeah, yeah. And so I, like... Um, I did my first communion not knowing why, mm-hmm. um, which like still bothers me a lot. Um, so I did all that stuff, and it felt a lot for show because like you buy the white dress and you do all that stuff. It yeah. just felt it feels silly now. Um, if you are into that, that's cool. I just for me it just doesn't make mm-hmm. sense um, for me to do it. But I grew up cat- so like loosely Catholic, still doing Catholic things. Um, but as I gotten older, it's been more difficult for me to mm-hmm. relate to anything that is of church. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as um, a queer person, there's mm-hmm. so much that the Bible doesn't talk about that people have interpreted as being yeah. applicable that mm-hmm. I don't, 
I don't agree with. So it's been like very kind of traumatizing and mm-hmm. um, not like super traumatizing, but still like enough yeah. for me to like feel uncomfortable in church and like not talk about my own identities in the church setting, which I feel like mm-hmm. you should be able to do that in church, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so that um, I'm, I'm more spiritual than I am like, I guess <laughs> religious would be the yeah, yeah. term for it, in that I pray but I don't pray. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I was a psych major for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact. And <laughs> so, like, I understand how, like, the power of thought and, like, all yeah, that stuff exactly. manifests, manifests itself. And I was watching an interview about Jack White, who was going to go to ministry school, I think, is mm-hmm. the term. I don't actually uh, know. Seminary? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fake mm-hmm. Catholic. Um but he grew up, he also very grew up, like, Irish Catholic. And so, mm-hmm. like, that's pretty strict. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he um, was giving a new interview. As he's gotten older, he's gone away from the idea of, like, a god mm-hmm. and more of, like, he was talking about an article he read about, like, when you scream angrily in the air, the particles move differently than, like, obviously if you don't. But, mm-hmm. um, like, even they can get very, like, how we would describe frustrated as mm-hmm. molecules. And I've always thought it was really interesting mm-hmm. just because, like, yeah. And yeah. so to me, prayer is in a form that, um, like, you give out good, in the simplest way, you give out good thoughts, vibes, wishes. Um, yeah. It eventually manifests itself. And um, so prayer is, like, one way to get all that, like, I guess yeah. karma in a yeah, way. Yeah. Um, I've been very fortunate that, like, and this may be like a faulty Catholic guilt thing. Um, <laughs> my family never knew me growing up. They just like they knew I was my mom's daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, so they wanted the best for me and they would always like pray for me and stuff like that. And to me, I feel like I have had a good life because of all those prayers. Mm-hmm. So I would like to give back in that way. And yeah, yeah. So, but I, there's a punk part of me, which is like super edgy. <laughs> that's like, I don't want to believe because I will quote unquote give into the idea that I that you have in order to be a good person you have to be religious or in order to be happy or fulfilled you have to believe in a Mm -hmm. god um so I've been resistant in that way yeah (laughs) but I also like I have had too many good things happen in my life to my oh I went country in my life (laughs) in my life to deny that there's something. Yeah. I just don't know what it is and maybe we're not meant to and maybe we just don't have the capacity to, which sure. I'm okay with. But all that to say is I also play <laughs> I play in a worship band at a non-denominational church, mm-hmm. but it's also like my worship pastor is like very, has been very open with me about his walk, quote unquote walk with life. Um and I have a friend named Grace who is very Christian and I, like I've talked to her about this cuz I was like I do want to believe in a god just <laughs> things aren't making sense to me and I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And she's been very patient and we both have the idea of like as long as you are doing things with the intent of being good mm-hmm. and you're asking is this okay is this not okay then you are doing good. Mm-hmm. And um I identified as a I think it's deist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a deist for a really long time cuz to me the concept of a heaven or hell just doesn't make sense. And the concept of someone, like, physically dying on a cross is weird to me. <laughs> and also the notion that you have to surrender yourself is very weird to me. And, like, I have, like, 
as a brown queer kid, I have, like, a lot of, like, back and forth of, like, positions of power and, like, surrender and stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, to me, that's just another thing. And it angers me, <laughs> which is super, like, edgy, Stephanie, is that Christ is a god or mm-hmm. no, that Christ was a dude. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm. but um, Grace is talking to me about that, that the reason that Christ is a dude was because at the time men saw males as, like, you know, like the— on the hierarchy of, like, power mm-hmm. and, like, importance men. So he took the form of a dude to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. But that, even, that even still bothers me. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that didn't answer your question. No, no. <laughs> but, it, yeah, uh, I just, like, I want to so desperately. And I've, I even told my worship pastor because I'm pretty open about this. Um, just because I think if you're not questioning and if you're not talking about it, then that's not healthy. Yeah. You should really talk about it and you should also question because, like, mm-hmm. the notion that there's a superior being – maybe controlling everything and, like, mm-hmm. dictating what who is good and who is bad and, yeah. like, what creations he made is are good and bad. is weird to me. Like, that's bonkers. But that's part of the faith, and that's why mm-hmm. it's called faith. But I think just questioning and talking about it, and my worship pastor is very much of that notion, which is, I think, why I stayed, is because I am curious to, like, understand, and I do yeah. want to understand and I do want to believe, but I think my quote-unquote walk with life is I'm more I, – I feel uncomfortable surrendering to a god. I feel more comfortable saying that I walk with a god, mm-hmm. which sounds also like saying it back sounds like, you know, voodoo voodoo. But it's, <laughs> um, you know, I think it's just all one way we can make sense of the world. And I, I was Buddhist for a really long time too, so that's like where I get like a lot of the mm. – I don't – the afterlife thing doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just like – being a good person, you know, like, yeah, it's not that hard, but, you know, <laughs> apparently it is. I don't know. But, yeah, it's just been, like, a, clust- a clusterfuck of, like, what's yeah. happening. And, like, I took an intro to religion study class at OU um, as a concurrent student, and my stomach's about to rumble. Sorry <laughs> if you hear it. Yeah, fine. <laughs> um, and, like, I am hesitant also of Christianity. I, there are many reasons, as I've stated. But this one is really, like— the Western idea of Christian, like Christianity is the ultimate being. If you don't believe in the God that we believe in, then like, you know, you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. So it's like it ignores Hinduism. It ignores Judaism, yeah. all this stuff. And it's just like that makes me incredibly uncomfortable because if there is a God and one of those ways is the only right way, then I'm uncomfortable with that. And I don't know if I want to believe in a God that way or if I, if that is a God that, is the God, then I don't want to be with him. <laughs> Which is, like, super blasphemous to say, but, like, you know, I, do, I mm-hmm. a, a God is, a God should be all-encompassing and all, you know, accepting and, like, I don't yeah. know. And to me, always it was always, like, if he's very strict and, like, blah, 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 you did this at this time and you can't get into heaven or you mm-hmm. don't repent enough or you sin too much or whatever, then, like, instead of, like, um, what's the word? Like, n- not even negotiating, but just kind of like understanding things. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I felt like that was a cooler God, in my opinion. <laughs> and I hope he has a sense of humor because I've made some jokes and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I repent for that sin. But <laughs> I hope he does have a sense of humor because I think when I tell people my relationship to whatever this being is, is mm-hmm. I just, it should be a vehicle to be a better person and to have an easier time. Um, navigating this crazy thing mm-hmm. called life and if it's not doing that then like what's the point yeah so I'm very like joking and I'm very like 
I'm very honest with whatever that being is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do communicate with it. But I'm also like, I thought I was pagan for a while because I have like this tendency to like <laughs> predict. This is super hoodoo voodoo and like predict things before they happen and they usually do happen, which is super weird. Hmm. And I have a friend who's a witch and mm-hmm. he was like, let me train you. And I was like, Catholic guilt. I was like, no, I will burn in hell for being pagan. <laughs> so I didn't do that, but I think it's still interesting. And like, mm-hmm. I've just always felt this, some things out there. I just felt, um, I've always felt a strong connection to it. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that thing is. Don't know how I'll navigate it, but we're just mm-hmm. taking it day by day. Yeah. Uh, well. There was a very long way to yeah, say, no, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's just a, another way to cope too, yeah. you know. Well, that answers what was going to be my next question, oh, which man. is, uh, what is your definition of God, which you yeah, went over. Yeah, so, some be uh, something. <laughs> though the next one after that is a little bit to hit, harder. To hurdles ahead. Um, but do you believe in free will or ah, is free will an illusion? My worship pastor was telling me about this, and this is something I'm still, like, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like the word struggle because it's not a struggle. I think it's mm-hmm. just a way of like understanding life or one lens to understand life or like yeah. one piece one piece of the cake. Um, I do believe in free will. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, like, have you read Borges or do you know Borges? Or mm-hmm. Haley's Borges? He talks a lot about free will and he uses like labyrinth metaphors and like maze metaphors and he mm-hmm. uses the library um, as a metaphor very often. And... I think there are options, and then it's up to you to take up that option. Mm -hmm. And there's not always, like, a right or wrong way. There's just, like, a – like, there's obviously, like, wrong ones. Like, I I have the option to kill you right now if I want to, but Mm. I'm not going to do that because that's awful. And I cannot live with myself. you try. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I can't kill spiders, let alone a human being. (laughs) But, yeah, like, you have options, and then, like, it's up to you to get – choose an option really mm-hmm. but I don't some I don't know I think this is because he asked me if that's the case do you believe in miracles and I was like I don't know I think they can be possible but like why do some miracles happen to some people and some don't mm-hmm. you know why do some people work so hard and still have it really di- well I can answer some of that but like yeah. have still have like a hard time and stuff uh, it's just like I don't know mm-hmm. I'm just, I don't know yeah what do you uh, think? Because I've, I've heard parts of your right. opinion because of, you know, your podcast. We can do that on the next one. Right on. this one's about you. Oh, God, <laughs> no. Um, so, I, fun story. I hate talking about myself. <laughs> so, when you were like, do you want to be on the podcast? I was like, ah, sure. <laughs> it's fine. You're doing great. Right, um, on. right on. How do you determine what good behavior is? Oh, that's a good question. Ha, see, good question. <laughs> Um, I trust my moral compass, which mm. is like, I feel like it's a cop-out statement. Um, but I think in order for you to do good, communicate. Because mm-hmm. good looks different for everyone. Um, yeah. And there's like different layers of good, like, you know, everything. There's different levels. Um, yeah, I just think communicating and saying and asking really and just following your gut Mm-hmm. And also just like trying to do trying to be productive and nice. Yeah. With respecting your boundaries. Which is like another cop out way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> it's well, it really just depends. Um yeah. I've been fortunate that my parents 
gave me a good moral compass and they have a great moral compass and um, mm-hmm. they give so much more than they probably should. Um, and that was always a huge model for me. And my dad has this like my philosophy of like if you're not 100% for something and if you're not going to do it right, then don't do it. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, what's the point? Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Um, Because, like, go ahead. Yeah, uh, well, speaking of your parents and getting a little bit into the cultural tropes. I probably um, just popped your thing. (laughs) I am so excited to talk about being brown with a brown person. Um, But, like, so you identify as queer and you have a lot of people in your circles that are strange people, but oh, Hispanic culture <laughs> Hispanic culture has a tendency of oh, yeah, right on. Uh, Definitely. pushing that down oh, or yeah. pushing it away. So how how has your culture, how have your parents sort of instilled that in you and how do you like you sort of exude the opposite of that? Yeah. Um <laughs> fun story, I'm not out to my family. Which is like I'm I have the privilege of being safe with my family regardless of what I come out as, mm-hmm. um, if I ever do come out. Um, I am safe. Like, I have, like, you know, like, there's levels of, like, safetyness. Mm-hmm. I am. I have my basic, like, I will not be kicked out. I will still receive the same amount of love. Um, mm-hmm. It'll just be, like, it'll be kind of awkward for them to, like, you know, for their quote-unquote daughter, which I also, this is new. I don't really identify as a female. Mm-hmm. Um that strongly and so like for their quote-unquote daughter to you know like they have this idea of like i'll get married to a dude and we'll walk down the aisle or like Mm -hmm. they'll have babies and stuff like that and like none of that is like of interest to me Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's been hard um Mm -hmm. which is like music was an outlet for that yeah and it was the only thing that made sense um in addition to like all the other artwork stuff that i was working i I was um what's the word yeah yeah. (laughs) consuming Mm -hmm. um it's been really hard. It's been very hard, <laughs> um, especially, like, being a first-gen going to college. Mm-hmm. The education thing is something, like, they give me crap about, like, oh, now that you're educated, you're too good for us. I'm like, that's not true. Um, I Also, you encouraged this. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you you, you told me to do that. I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, so it's like I think they didn't understand, like, what they were I was going into. It's mm-hmm. like I work and I go to school and I'm like, I'm only home to sleep. And then when I am home, like, I'm expected to do the dishes and clean. But it's, like, when I'm home, I'm doing homework or I'm sleeping. Um, But it's been, yeah, like, I keep saying it's been hard just because it's, like, I grew up with brothers, too. Mm -hmm. So, like, the notion of, like, sexism was, like, kind of eye-rolling to them. And then the idea that, like, when they would say things that were, like, very hetero, I was, like, well, actually, Mm -hmm. or I am... Yeah, it's just been, like, I butt heads a lot with my family. Um, I don't really speak to my extended family just because, like, mm. they're not my cup of tea. Right. Um, and they don't understand a lot of, like, because of education, you, you know, you. I was reading Bell Hooks when I was in high school. I was reading Angela Davis when I was in mm. high school. I was reading all these, like, feminist literature and, like, philosophical stuff. And, that, mm-hmm. I mean, was encouraged through education, and a lot of them didn't even graduate high school so like there's that barrier of education yeah and then trying to get them to understand that like not everything is female or male or that like Mm -hmm. women can play with um or like girls can play with um car toys and you know like men can wear a dress Mm -hmm. um it's just stuff like that it's just been really your butting heads Mm -hmm. um 
I, yeah, and, like, also, like, the aspect of, like, you don't, there's, I don't know how familiar you are with, like, LGBTQIA identities and labels, but, like, mm. like some people are asexual, um, some people are um, aromantic, and, like, mm-hmm. not everyone wants to date, or not everyone yeah, wants yeah. to marry, not everyone wants kids, mm-hmm. um, but it's, yeah, it's just been rough, and yeah. the only, I... Wish I had an answer to like other brown queer kids, but a lot of it I think just comes down to finding people that support and validate you and encourage you to continue searching mm-hmm. for your identities. Um, that has been great for me. Yeah. Um, the internet's a great resource for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just finding safe people. Um, and sometimes those safe people aren't your favorite people, they're just safe. Yeah. Um, but some, but like as you get older, you'll find people you enjoy that are also safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just staying true to who you are. And then if you're not, if you, I, this is kind of where I feel uncomfortable giving um, advice because I have the safety net of like safety. Yeah, yeah. But if you're unsafe, then, you know, I I don't know what to do in that situation. Right. I would encourage you to like internet that stuff for, because you know, <laughs> I mean, I have that privilege. But yeah, it's just been hard and there's been a lot of like teasing about it in the family mm-hmm. like oh you're you're not straight because it's cool to not be straight and it's like actually no that's mm-hmm. not how it works and it's like oh you're not like um identifying as female anymore because it's trendy to use they or whatever mm-hmm. or like i've also heard oh they's not like a thing or whatever mm-hmm. it's just like oh you know yeah would you rather go by they? Oh, fun. hi. This is the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First time talking about it. I, so this is kind of where like I'm doing a disservice to myself and that I don't mind she, mm-hmm. um, but I would prefer they. I don't sure. mind she though, just because like I do present as a more feminine female. Sure. Um, but I just like don't identify with the culture behind it. And that's yeah. kind of why I decided I think they. Right. But um, I don't mind she. But yeah. if I do correct you, fuck off. <laughs> please use it. I'm just kidding. Please use it. But it's right now I I mostly chose that just for myself because mm-hmm. for me there was like dissonance of like um, there's this concept of dysphoria. Mm-hmm. For me it was not really – there was body dysphoria but like not in the way that I've heard trans people talk about it. Mm-hmm. But it was more like – social dysphoria where it's like I can't I can't relate to these girls mm. and I definitely can't relate to these dudes so yeah I don't know yeah maybe I'll change my mind I don't know sure and giving myself yeah that's been really new giving myself permission to like explore and maybe be wrong mm-hmm. and not even be wrong just like finding the words to yeah explain or the things finding yeah what you're comfortable with yeah yeah because I yeah mm-hmm. right well the this culture thing is new, yeah. um, ish. Go, go, go ahead. I wanted to thank you for creating that safe space because <laughs> I feel very comfortable like just talking about that with you. Yeah, and like, of course, I, I mean, I don't know if you identify with like queer on any level, but just like you make it very easy to talk about it mm. and very safe to do so. <laughs> so thank you for being a great ally slash advocate. Yeah, um, I. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting to say is that since this thing is mm-hmm. kind of new and there's a lot of like awkwardness or anxiety oh, yeah, around definitely. it, um, Lots of it. Even, even the people sort of in the queer group yeah. like put a lot of weight behind it. But oh, yeah. I, I think it's 
easier if we just make it as simple as, hey, like, call me they. So that's kind of my thing is mostly (laughs) out of fear and, like, I have this really bad thing of, like, I'll think of something. I'm like, no, that's a stupid idea. Everyone's going to think it's stupid. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to think <laughs> I'm this or that. But, as a like, that's something you continuously work on. Um, mm-hmm. One method is therapy, and that helped me a lot. And a lot of it was um, just, like, I – I'm too I'm too much of a weenie to be like, hey, <laughs> so I am this, this, and this, and this, this, and this, this, and this. I kind of just, like, share a post about someone with the same identity. And I'm like, yeah, this, this, I, you know, right, right. whatever. And um, that's kind of how I – so people are either like she, she, she or they, she, um, which is, like, not using she for me has been interesting too. Um, but, like, Stephanie's a great ally, but it's actually, like, actually – Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm queer too, but yeah, I like the mystery that it keeps behind it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is edgy, right? But you know, it's just yeah. an easier way for me to like come out that way. Mm-hmm. And if people get on, if people understand it, so funny story. Um, I had this is also something I've not directly talked about, but I've like hinted at is mm-hmm. I identify as being gray ace. I've got all the weird thing labels. It's great. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. So asexual just means like without sexual attraction. Mm-hmm. So or like there's like a spectrum of it. So it's like um, I don't know what the aloe experience is, but like I've heard it like you find someone, you find them sexually attractive, you want to engage in sex. Mm-hmm. Does not ring a bell. Completely sure. goes over my head. Never a thought of mine that happens. Mm-hmm. Or very rarely. So I can't. I was talking to my therapist about it. I was like, this is terrible. And then I was like, but then like the next day I was like, oh, this is great. I feel great. And so <laughs> I, in that like two seconds of like, this is great, I bought a ace button, an ace button. And I was like, I bought it. I wore it, and then I walked into my therapy session. I was like, I've made a mistake. <laughs> people are going to know, and I'm not sure if I'm ready. But she gave me the idea of, like, if people see it and they know what they are, they're probably a very small number of people are going to be, like, right on. Sure. But, like, most people are like, why is there a purple and black heart on you? It's mm-hmm. cute. It matches your hair. I'm like, mm-hmm. right on. So, yeah, it's just kind of, like, you know, mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah. Um, And that's the – one way to come out. Right, There's right. Like million, well, it's, you know, like I have friends who came out on Facebook and I was like, come yeah. on. That's well, too anxious. It's too hard anxious. enough. It's hard enough for you to deal with it. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Definitely. for other people to make it as big a deal. Yeah. Like it's, again, it can be as simple as just like. Yeah, definitely. This is, this is how it works. All right, cool. Comes thanks. out on Santiago's um, podcast. I'm <laughs> subtle, actually. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe people listen to this. It's like, uh, just me. It's actually just me. I just zero. (laughs) Right on. Yeah, yeah. Five hundred. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Five thousand. The whole. Uh, I don't know. It's if it's in the thousands. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm. So I've always been really open about it. If someone asked me, Mm -hmm. so it was. It's not a big deal to me. But you know, now it's like, I'm open for people to be like, at four minutes and fifty three seconds, you said you were this, this, and this. So if you want to pull that receipt out, that's okay. That's okay. But yeah, right. I totally agree that I wish it was there is enough that it was more common for that space to be held of mm-hmm. like one day you're like, I'm gonna use she because that's what I feel today, and the next day you're like, actually I feel he today. Like, then just like, okay, cool. I'll use yeah. he today. But like, you know, and there's a lot of um I'm part of a lot of queer forums because like 
there's a lot of support in that and a lot of right. knowledge. <laughs> um, and that's, like, also where I found out about, like, oh, you know, like, there's other things. And I relate to these things a lot more than, like, straight cis girl. Mm -hmm. um, but I forgot where I was going with this. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, just making it oh, the, You're right. So a lot of it's just, like, giving people that space because it's not about using a wrong identity. It's about getting affirmations to find ones that best describe yours. Sure. Because you weren't wrong at the time. I wasn't wrong for using she. I just didn't know, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but, yeah, just, like, I wish I wish there's a lot of internalized of, like, I can't use, um, I especially, specifically with non-binary because we are so socialized to be, like, he, she, mm -hmm. um, girl, dresses, boy, cars, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But to challenge that idea is so, like, it's honestly very revolutionary right now, um, but there's a lot of um, non-binary and even asexual people will talk about how, like, they have a lot of internalized acephobia or not, um, transphobia inside of them that because the outer world is filtering that they aren't real because they is not a thing. It's just, like, a hip thing the millennials are using. Mm. It's, you know, whatever. And there's a lot of people who will not come out for that reason. I mm -hmm. think I was under that, too, because I, I know certain people – if they ever listen to this or if I ever talk to them about it, they'll be like, oh, so you're using they because it's cool and you want to be edgy and different. And it's like, sure. <laughs> the Why not? I love to have, <laughs> make things more complicated for people in my The mind. base thing Gosh. is just treating people with respect. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, this is the example I always use, which is humorous. But like – I love if, humor. <laughs> uh, if someone says, like, this is my name. Okay, I'm not going to call you bitch. I'm right. going to call you your name. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. Uh, and like, if I'm going to treat you with respect, I yeah. won't call you bitch. Yeah, and like, I'll call you your name. Yeah. And so it's just treating people with respect with whatever it is that they want. Yeah. They think if you, hey, uh, I mean, I knew a guy in high school named Crazy. So like, oh, like actually, legal no, name? His, it wasn't oh, a okay. name name, but like his nickname became Crazy, mm. and like his name was just Crazy. Um, oh, okay. it's like okay, right cool. But, like, and it wasn't a problem. And even, like, our band director started calling him crazy. That's weird. So it's, like, it, it stuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's just a thing. It's, like, oh, I go by crazy. Cool. Right on. That's a way Power. of treating right you with respect. And sometimes it's, like, weird. It's, like, oh, Alex. It's, like, Alex. Who the hell is Alex? Like, oh, crazy? Yeah, crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> right on, yeah. So and it's I, yeah. treat people with respect. Definitely. I mean, like, I even slipped up. I still slip up with people's pronouns. And I think a lot of it just comes down to, like, oh, hey, sorry. I messed up. What were you You know, it's, we're so socialized. Like I said, we're so socialized. He, she. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I'm not, I won't be super angry if someone uses she if I tell them, oh, I use she, but, like, reality this. But, you know, do whatever sure. you want with it. Because I, I don't hate she. Yeah. So. Cool. I don't hate she. Yeah. <laughs> I um, don't hate her. Don't hate <laughs> she. she doesn't even go here. Uh, <laughs> so that goes I cleared into, up your podcast. Right, like, it, yeah, go. <laughs> it goes into politics. Yeah, um, which sucks. And so all. Yeah. My all existence is political. <laughs> that was edgy. But there's right. truth. There's oh, truth behind oh. it. It's. Your existence isn't political. It just so happens that politics yeah. likes fighting about this. Yeah. So. Like in the scope of how the world is working right now, my existence is political. <laughs> but in an ideal world, it wouldn't be, mm. you know, politics. Um, but 
It's not political. Politics Which, is involved. So funny story. I was talking about mm-hmm. Borges um, earlier. I love Borges mm. so much. I think he's probably one of like top five favorite authors. He has a lot of circular um, metaphors in all of his stuff. So like mm-hmm. in his category, there's like a bunch of circles and stuff like that. And something I talked about a lot in therapy was that circle of like, which is just like a symbolism of like overlap. And there's like overlap of like being queer and like being anxious of religion because mm-hmm. religion is in politics and politics bleeds into religion and mm-hmm. all that like governs queer identities. And so yeah, yeah. it's all <laughs> Exactly. Um, so I, I guess just, just lightly getting into it so that uh, we can get into more conversational rather than sure. me just asking you questions. Um, how do we reduce the divide? You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I'm so I talk about I talked about this in therapy too, um, because I so this is kind of kind of related. Um, I don't identify with queer culture at all because um, mm. it's very hypersexualized and very like gay men, mm-hmm. you know, white cis gay men being like yeah, and all that stuff, and I just I don't relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like this like suit and. One method of um, coping with trauma, especially in relation to, like, queer stuff, is a pendulum. Mm-hmm. So, like, on the pendulum, pendulum, um, you're on one end of it, which is, like, you're closeted because you're unsafe. Once mm. you move out, you're completely to the other side of the pendulum. Yeah. So you're dyeing your hair rainbow colors and you're doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's all valid. I just don't relate to that experience. And I don't agree with it on my journey of being a queer sure. person. So there's, like, that huge divide, and I know there's people who relate to me who are, like, super, like, critical, and I understand, like, their criticisms are supposed to be for ways to move forward. Sometimes they mm-hmm. can be cynical. But there's, like, this huge divide in the queer community of, like, that stuff. Um, but I, for me, the divide is respecting other people's experiences, and a huge part of it is educating yourself on, like, whatever the divide is on and understanding that like there's different truths to them and yeah. you may only see one truth to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's I like one that way. I don't, that doesn't really <laughs> answer it. I wish I could say you pull out a pitchfork and kill everyone who doesn't agree with you. <laughs> that's, I was told that was not okay. <laughs> um, four more questions. Right on. Uh, what are you optimistic I'm blasting about? Through this. I'm like, God, look at me. Give me an A. <laughs> what are you optimistic her. about in our future? Oh, man. I'm optimistic about so much. I say as I cry every day. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. There's just like, I, I think as I've gotten older, um, I grew up very like not optimistic. Mm. I wasn't pessimistic, but I was, I was very like, there's just like nothing. There's like very hollow. So there's just like nothing <laughs> to me. Um, but as I've gotten older, I'm just optimistic and meeting new people. And um, I, one of my favorite things about like the world is education, mm-hmm. um, not limited to like university and like school schooling. Mm-hmm. But the notion that we have access to library, we have access to the internet, mm-hmm. we have access to communication with people we wouldn't have. Yeah. And that's so exciting to me because it means more knowledge understanding how the world works better because you see more perspectives of other people yeah. and you begin to understand like, oh, this is why this person was acting this way or like, oh, this is why this is this. Mm-hmm. Oh, this thing that we were told was supposed to be set in stone is actually just a white dude saying this <laughs> and like there's more to it. That 
that makes me really excited because yeah. we can start tearing down the system. Yeah. <laughs> Punk rock. But, and also, like, I start, I understand synth better. And that <laughs> makes me really excited because, like, it's like a curve. It's like when you learn Pro Tools, you're like, I'm never going to learn Pro Tools. But then right. you hit that curve and you're like, oh, this can sort of apply to other DAWs and yeah, yeah. to a base level. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. Also, that people like Santiago exist. Yeah. I'm well, thinking. <laughs> yeah, uh, people are becoming nicer and a lot nicer than mm-hmm. I would argue they were before. And we have access to, like, like I'm like, oh, the argument of like, oh, you're using they because it's trending now is rooted in the notion that we just didn't have education about it before yeah. and that we weren't listening to other people talk about it. Sure. So, I, I like the idea of like we can hear, which like I is very overwhelming. I'm not going to sit here and say this is great because it's super overwhelming and it's mm. scary. Um, but just taking it with a grain of salt and yeah, yeah, yeah. What makes you happy? My dogs. <laughs> My dogs currently. Um, I've come across some really awesome people lately that have been like super awesome. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, chocolate and coffee. I love chocolate and I love coffee. Um, yeah, people who are nice, um, who are respectful and, like, willing to learn things and yeah. be patient with you. People who are patient. I love people who are patient. <laughs> That's such an underrated feature to have as a person is, like, patience and, mm-hmm. like, just, yeah. yeah. Uh, also music, well, yeah. of course. Music yeah. and art, but, like, <laughs> music and art, there's that quote that's, like, Art imitates life, and it's like, you know, it's yeah, a yeah. meme, but, like, yeah, art, art and music, well, music is a form of art, but, like, art in general just reflects mm-hmm. our experiences as people, and that's exactly. cool, because um, I didn't have the same experience as Borges, but he's super cool. Yeah. I think it's awesome. So. <laughs> uh, what advice do you have for people? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, because I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse at this. At this point, it's just, like, to educate yourself and ask questions and to mm-hmm. say it's okay to not understand or not know something. Yeah. Because, I mean, we are limited as humans. We're not, like, all-knowing and all, like, all capable of doing everything. Sure. So just, like, I, I guess just being honest and humble and open about your struggles is, mm-hmm. like, my main thing. Like, I – do you know who Brene Brown is? I don't. She's, like, mm-hmm. a leading psychologist and um, social scientist about – she specializes in, like, vulnerability and, like, authenticity and mm-hmm. um, being honest. And she's, like, her big thing is, like, being honest and open and guilt-free mm-hmm. about struggles because we all share struggles. And yeah. we can always, like, provide help, something helpful to someone. Mm-hmm. And just, like, we're all suffering, so might as well just talk about yeah. it. <laughs> what was that name again? Brene Brown. Okay. She's got <laughs> books out. I think I think it's called The Art of Vulnerability. You would really like that. Um, it's basically just saying, I don't know shit. Yeah. And she's like, no one knows shit. And I'm like, that's so true. Yeah. We're all just kind of like winging yeah. it. And then she's got another one that I can't remember that's really good. Mm. But she's like, all, I like all of her stuff. Yeah. And lastly, cake or pie? I don't mm. like sweet, so usually pie. Okay. Pumpkin pie, because I really like umami stuff. So like, <laughs> pumpkin pie is where it's at. And sweet potato pie. <laughs> what do you th- like? Uh... I'm more pie. Uh, right on. Maybe it's a brown people thing. <laughs> that was a joke. I don't know. That was a joke. <laughs> um, Stephanie, thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. Thank <laughs> you for being great. And also, like, I threw dodgeballs. Not dodgeballs. Curveballs at you. That's fine. It's fine. It's, it's like, part of the experience. It's just true. 
where when can you have we find staff in here. Oh. <laughs> where can we find you and your things? Oh no. Pull um, your stuff. You can find me shitposting on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, just on my account. It's just my name. Um, dire gnome is dire gnome, D-I-R-E, gnome as in a garden gnome, G-N-O-M-E. Uh, I think we're dire gnome band on Facebook. Same thing on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then my Instagram is human, H-U-M-A-N-N, two N's, <laughs> underscore fly, F-L-Y. Um, you can find me shit posting and complaining on there. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But my Twitter is really sad and awkward and just bad. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it, if you want to follow it, it's swamp um, two underscore thing underscore. That's mm-hmm. underscores. But yeah, I shit post a lot on there. Yeah. Fair warning. Um, but yeah. And then where can we find your the podcast? podcast? Thank you. I forget. <laughs> it's so new. Um, color. I don't know my. Actually, I don't know. Um, I think your Instagram handle is Insta- Color Me and Podcast. Yeah, it's Color Me and Podcast on Instagram. I don't have a Facebook because I don't want to put the effort in for that. That's fine. <laughs> Oops. Um, <laughs> but my Instagram has a link to my main blog, which is where I host the podcast. And then I am supposed to hear back today or tomorrow from iTunes and like Spotify and everything yeah, yeah. to see if it's appropriate for their site. Yeah. Uh, Spotify never got back to me. What? So Spotify? Okay. I, I might have to try right again. Do it, yeah. Uh, but iTunes should be really easy. <laughs> I hope so, because I was like, uh. But yeah, that you can find me on there. Um, oh, and you can find me playing synth with Chameleon Factory here oh, and yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't actually know the Facebook handle for that. I think it's like Sonic Abuser slash Something Sonic like Abuser that, yeah. <laughs> with Jackson. <laughs> and then you can just find me screaming and tripping all over ACM because I <laughs> do that apparently. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, once again, thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Santiago Ramones. And I'm Stephanie Piñate. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. You can download. Good music. <laughs> you can download or pay for my demo, uh, Songs with Words. Uh, and you can listen to and comment and rate and do all of the things that include interacting with the thing uh, for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on YouTube, or directly on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. Is Song With Words a a reference to Song Without Words by Mendelssohn? No, it's just... Oh, okay. uh, Interesting. I, since I have like ambient music oh, on my gotcha. SoundCloud right on. and I have like composery stuff. Mm-hmm. I also am a songwriter. Right. And so composer as, and songwriter. So sort right of on. like distinguish like, hey, I do this thing, but I also do this thing. These are songs with words. Gotcha. Right <laughs> on. Yeah. Making it easy for the consumers to yeah. find your things. Mm-hmm. Smart. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off. You're fine. <laughs> I was on my podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. Right on.